from the corner of 16th and Peachtree Street, right next to the High Museum of Art in Midtown Atlanta, welcome to the First Presbyterian Church. I'm Senior Pastor Tony Sundermeyer, and I want to thank you for tuning in to today's broadcast. And I would invite you now to join us in the worship of God. Here's the first of those stories. It comes from the book of Acts, chapter 16, verses 16 through 34. Hear now God's word for you and for me. One day, as we, this is Paul and Silas, as we were going to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners a great deal of money by fortune-telling. While she followed Paul and us, she would cry out, These men are slaves of the Most High God who proclaim to you a way of salvation. She kept doing this for many days. But Paul, very much annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I order you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. But when her owners saw that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the magistrates. They said, these men are disturbing our city. They are Jews and are advocating customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to adopt or observe. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates had them stripped of their clothing and ordered them to be beaten with rods. After they had given Paul and Silas a severe flogging, they threw them into prison and ordered the jailer to keep them securely. Following these instructions, he put them in the innermost cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. Now about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was an earthquake, so violent that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were unfastened. When the jailer woke up and saw the prison doors wide open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, since he supposed that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted in a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. The jailer called for lights, and rushing in, he fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them outside and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They answered, Believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. They spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. At the same hour of the night, he took them and washed their wounds. Then he and his entire family were baptized without delay. He brought them up into his house and set food before them, and he and his entire household rejoiced that he had become a believer in God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second scripture reading comes from the book of Revelation. It's on the next to last page of your pew Bible. These are the last words of our holy scripture words of new beginning. Hear now the word of God for you who are the people of God. 
See, I am coming soon. My reward is with me to repay according to everyone's work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they will have the right to the tree of life and may enter the city by the gates. It is I, Jesus, who sent my angel to you with this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come, and let everyone who hears say, come, and let everyone who is thirsty come. Let anyone who wishes take the water of life as a gift. The one who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming soon, amen. Come, Lord Jesus, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with all the saints, amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O Lord, from this old story, help us to hear a new message so that we would go from this place changed people, bearers of your good news of grace and wellness for a world in need. Amen. This week's text from Acts comes immediately after the one we read last week. Now, I'm going to do a quick review because just a few people were not here over Memorial Day weekend. So last week we read the first part of this story where Paul saw a vision of a man from Macedonia calling him to come help. So Paul traveled to Philippi and spent a few days there, and then Paul and Silas went outside the city gates to the river, and they met Lydia, a wealthy businesswoman, and the, and the text tells us that her heart was opened to hear the good news Paul had to share. Acts tells us that she listened eagerly and that she and her whole, house ha whole, whole household were baptized right there at the river. She responded immediately to the good news of God's grace by showing them hospitality. She took them home to her home. In that part of the story, Paul and Silas went out into the world to welcome people into faith and to invite them into the fellowship of believers. And that text showed us that the early church was unbound by walls, that it could turn itself outward toward the world. So if that part of the story called us to listen eagerly for God's vision of Christian hospitality that this church can embody, today's part of the story calls us to open our eyes to the ways that we are imprisoned to the plight of those around us who are not well or whole, who need the healing power of our Lord, and to the places where the witness of the gospel collides with the powers and systems of our world. It's a pretty dramatic text, isn't it? There's quite a lot going on in this story. Like last week, Paul and Silas are heading to a place of prayer, and like the story we read last week, they meet someone they aren't expecting. In that part, they met Lydia. She was a woman, she's wealthy, she was a dealer of purple cloth. She had her very own household. In today's part of the story, they meet a girl. She's poor, she's a slave. 
and the text tells us that she's possessed by a spirit of divination. We would understand this as a form of mental illness today. But whatever it was, it was being exploited by her owners who made her tell people's fortunes to earn them money. This girl is doubly imprisoned. She's a slave. She's mentally and emotionally unwell. And her owners are taking advantage of her illness for their own profit. So I sat with this text all week. Images kept coming into my mind of how for thousands of years now, humans have used each other's differences for entertainment and gain. I pictured circuses and carnivals and marketplaces and conventions where this girl might have been an attraction, where she would have been marketed as a sort of novelty act. Here's a kid who can see the future for a small price. There in Philippi, people paid her owners to have her tell their fortunes. She apparently spots Paul and Silas, and whether it's by some intuition that she just has, or maybe because she's heard about what they're up to, she calls them out for who they are. She starts following them around the city for many days, according to the text, and she's crying out to anyone who will listen. These men are slaves of the Most High God who proclaim to you a way of salvation. I imagine that was pretty disconcerting for Paul and Silas. First of all, they were probably trying to keep a low profile because the Roman Empire did not tolerate rabble-rousers, and they surely didn't expect to hear truth or insight from a slave girl possessed by a spirit. Yet here she is, a slave to human owners, calling them out as slaves to God. And even more surprising, she names exactly what they're doing, proclaiming news of the saving death of Jesus Christ and baptizing new believers. Paul apparently gets annoyed by her following them around and crying out. We aren't told why. Maybe he was really focused on his work and it just took him a while to pay real attention to this girl following him around. Maybe she was attracting too much attention. Maybe he was afraid of the consequences of a public healing. And as we just heard, there were consequences. But this translation says that Paul, very much annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I order you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And the spirit came out that hour. On one hand, it's so satisfying that Paul uses his God-given power to heal this poor girl, to free her from that spirit that possessed her. On the other hand, I have to admit that I'm really troubled by this sequence, and especially by the word annoyed. Paul, very much annoyed, cast the spirit out of her. I tracked this word down, hoping that there would be some other alternate translation that I would like better. That happens sometimes. I wanted it to be more palatable because I don't want Paul to heal her because he's annoyed. I want him to heal her because he's moved with compassion, because it's the right thing to do following the healing model of our own Lord to bring wholeness and wellness to a child of God. The word in Greek is diapaneo. 
The definitions are sort of similar, to be troubled, pained, offended, displeased, or worked up. So maybe annoyance isn't quite the whole emotion. Maybe Paul spends those days getting worked up about that spirit possessing that girl before he takes action. But I'm still unsatisfied. I want Paul to really see her as soon as she appears on his path. I want him to heal her immediately, and I want him to free her not only from whatever spirit possesses her, but from the human owners who possess her as well. I want this to be a story where the exploited child is immediately seen and protected by the person of faith acting out the command of the gospel. But the story is a bit more human than that. Paul does see the girl. He does cast out that annoying demon, but it takes him some days. Even Paul, that eager convert from persecutor to preacher of the faith, takes a while to have his eyes opened wide to the human need, even when it is literally following him around the city. And when he does, the consequences are swift. The girl's owners don't like it one bit that Paul has freed this girl at least from imprisonment to a spirit. That was their income. She's not so marketable now that she's mentally well. So they physically grab Paul and Silas, this is real drama, and they drag them into the marketplace to make them appear before the magistrates. And here, Paul's healing of a child of God collides with the powers that allowed her to be imprisoned in the first place. Bishop Will Williman has a commentary on Acts, and here's how he describes this scene. Here's a young woman, chained her whole life to the hell of demon possession, and now she's free. There ought to be rejoicing. But no, her owners are not free enough to do that. It was fine to give a dollar to the Mental Health Association drive last fall, but this is another matter. Religion has gotten mixed up with economics here, so her owners do what the vested interests always do when their interests are threatened. The girl's owners say to the judge, we're not against a little religion as long as it is kept in its place. Here, God's mission of wholeness for God's children has collided with a system that keeps some of those children oppressed. In the scene before the magistrates, the girl's owners don't accuse Paul and Silas of taking away their livelihood. They don't say that this is about money. They don't acknowledge that they want the right to keep profiting from this poor girl. Instead, they call Paul and Silas outsiders. They say they are disturbing our city. They're advocating for customs that aren't okay for us as Romans. They're Jews. They aren't like us. They don't follow our ways. They have to go. The subtext here isn't even subtle. The girl's owners are inciting the crowd to reject these men because of their Jewish identity and their practices of faith. They're playing on prejudice and stereotype. They're playing to fear that Roman power would be shaken by a message about a Lord who spoke up, not for the rich and powerful, but for the powerless and enslaved. 
that Lord, as we just heard Jamie read from Revelation, says, come, let everyone who hears come. Let everyone who is thirsty come. Let anyone who wishes take the water of life as a gift. That kind of vision of a wide open invitation to Christ, that breaks down a system where the powerful profit from the powerless. That wide invitation is a direct threat to the empire. So the crowd in the marketplace acts on their fear. They turn into a violent mob and they attack Paul and Silas and they beat them and flog them and they're thrown into prison and shackled. And here this beautiful story layered with imagery reveals another layer of imprisonment and reversal. A slave girl is freed from a demon and Paul and Silas are imprisoned for disrupting the income of her owners and bringing a message that threatened the political machine for being outsiders in the city. There in prison, Paul and Silas start to pray and sing. And like Lydia and the women by the river, the other prisoners are listening. They're hearing about who this God is. And suddenly the whole prison is broken by an earthquake. The foundations are shaken and the doors are opened and everyone's chains are unfastened. All of a sudden the prison that has held them is wide open. Now the jailer's an interesting character here. I sort of think of him as that civil servant who does what he's told and enforces the rules and maybe doesn't think too hard about them most of the time. He is at a total loss. He seems to think death would be a better punishment than the one he would face from his government for failing to keep these prisoners chained. But Paul steps in and says, don't do it. We're still here, even after the shackles have come off. Here, Paul offers the jailer, a representative of the very power that locked him up, the grace of a different way of life. Believe on the Lord Jesus, Paul says, and you'll be saved, you and your household. It's a beautiful bookend to the scene of Lydia's baptism that we read last week. The jailer also responds to God's invitation by offering radical hospitality. He doesn't follow the orders of Rome. He doesn't seize Paul and Silas or the others or try to bind them back up. He doesn't cause them more pain. He washes their wounds in his own home. He gives them food and rejoices that a night that started with them in chains has ended with freedom and a meal with a new family of faith. It seems in that moment to be sewn up pretty well, this dramatic story with a tidy end. And it would be easy for us to think that Paul and Silas are the heroes of this drama. But in truth, they are like us. They are very human carriers of God's good news. They share it eventually with a pitiful enslaved girl who has to follow them for days before they're worked up enough to heal her. They share good news when they're locked up in the prayers and songs they sing. They share it after the earthquake with a jailer working for Rome. I think they share good news 
as their eyes are opened to who or what needs to hear it. So this story calls us to ask ourselves, what do we need to see? Who in our community is hurting, maybe following us around, so to speak, without getting our attention and time? How are we imprisoned in our own lives by the pursuit of power or money? Where do we look the other way when someone is being exploited and speaking up might bring consequences for us? Where do our foundations need to be shaken so that we don't hesitate at all to tell someone about the healing power of God's love? For me this week, this text made me see some very specific things, like some individual neighbors calling out for help. There's a couple I've seen on my commute for about two weeks standing at a corner waiting for the red light, going from car to car, asking for help. This text made me really see a neighbor who's recently started sheltering in a bus stop I pass every single day. This text made me think about the systems I know about that need to collide with the gospel good news of invitation and wholeness for all. I know from the news that our city is a hub for human trafficking, the exploitation of the children of God. I know as a person trying to be aware of things, that Atlanta has the worst income inequality of any large city in the United States. I heard in the news just this week that in the last five years there were over 500 unexpected deaths of patients in facilities in the state of Georgia who, like this poor young girl we meet in Acts, are suffering mental illness. This text called me to open my eyes to just this handful of issues this week. Perhaps it calls you to see others. As we look together toward the future of this community of faith, I pray that God will loosen the chains that bind us. I pray that we will see those who are following us and we will hear their cries. I pray that our eyes will be opened to opportunities to advocate for our sisters and brothers against systems that oppress and silence, especially when Rome would not approve. And I pray that our church will be opened wide to say to all who hear, come. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.